Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Wow! Nice! Yeah! What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and t-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to another episode of the Chase Sounds Podcast, the Thursday, November 30th, 2023 edition here on the program. Uh, we got a jam-packed show for you guys today, college football with Matt Green, fellow University of North Georgia alumni Matt Green, to talk about the college football playoff rankings, the latest batch, um, UGA, and what their path is if they do lose uh, in this game and Bama wins. Um, Texas still on the outside looking in, what to do with Florida State if they went out. Uh, we talk about Bobby Petrino, new OC back home at Arkansas, Fran Brown, DB coach at Georgia to Syracuse, what that means for the dogs going forward, then get into our conference championship picks talk extensively about UW and Oregon, why that could be the game of the weekend on Friday night. We got Texas, Oklahoma State, um, Alabama, Georgia, obviously on Saturday, stealing the show, and then all eyes on Florida State, Louisville uh, to close Saturday night to see what happens uh, with the Knowles, with Tate Roadmaker, under center with uh, Jordan Travis gone for the year. And if Florida State is able to finish it out and get into the CFP. So all that and more with Matt Green coming up in just one second. We've also got uh, VolQuest Austin Price, friend of the show, coming back on the program to talk about uh, all things Tennessee Vols. We talk about uh, defensive line to this point, uh, Avian Bradley's uh, development in the defensive line, where he might switch positions. Who knows? A um, lot of depth on that defensive line for Tennessee. Um, we talk about the offensive drop-off uh, this year, a lot of side-to-side um, action versus the explosive plays we've come to see and expect in Josh Heupel's offense. We talk about Jordan Seaton's recruitment, uh, Roger Saliapaga. Um, we talk about Kai Bates um, and where that currently sits. Elias Williams uh, not uh, making the flip to Tennessee from Mizzou. A little Mike Matthews uh, action and a whole lot more with the great Austin Price of VolQuest.com. So jam-packed college football show for you guys today. Hope you enjoy it. And as always, if you're a first-time listener, Please make sure if you like today's episode and like what you hear, you hit that subscribe button on your preferred podcast player here on this daily national sports show outside of here in Knoxville, Tennessee. Um, Make sure you do that. If you like the show, new episodes each and every day, all across sports uh, landscape, uh, awesome guests each and every day. So make sure you're locked in there. As always, if you are a subscriber and you're a fan of this very show and you have not already done so, you know what I'm about to say. 
please hit that pause button right now and leave this show a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify if that is indeed how you're listening. Uh, writing review always helps and helps other people find the show and it helps this very show continue to grow. And as always, you can check us out on YouTube, full episodes, clips, all that good stuff on our YouTube page, over 1.5 thousand there as we continue growing that thing out. So if you haven't already done so, hit that subscribe button on the YouTube page. Just search Chase Thomas Podcast. You'll find us there. Check out the homepage, chasethomaspodcast.com. All information about the show, brand new spanking new website. It's great. Check that out today. And then of course, if you want to get in touch with the show, Matt and I for future uh, mailbag uh, questions for Matt and myself, hit us up, Podcast at gmail.com. Love to hear from you guys. So there you go. Jam Pack Thursday. Uncle Darren, let's go. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. <laughs> um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee. Everything School HQ, number one attendance team in the SEC this year, the Tennessee Volunteers, oh, where geez. it just means more. Even in a down year, you just can't stop those orange and white fans all across the Southeast. Joining me at the time, as he always does, fellow University of North Georgia alumni, Matt Green, down there in Decula, Georgia. Matt, good evening, sir. How are you? Good evening, sir. How's it? I know that basketball team, Everything School HQ, isn't looking too hot these days. It's been a tough schedule, but I've seen a few L's. Toughest schedule in college basketball to start. Uh, three ranked teams right out of the gate. You played number one and number two in less than 24 hours in Maui. Uh, the elite of the elites get invited to Maui. Georgia hasn't played an elite basketball hey. game in a long time, so it's one hey, of those we things. we were in Maui like three years ago, sir. You mm. cheat check your tone i remember uh watching uh ant-man um mm-hmm. from my office cubicle uh in the, in the maui invitational there you go um no i mean it's fine it's don't connect i think avoided a major injury he was unbelievable tonight but yeah it's a tough schedule out of the gate i don't know it's fine I, i'm not panicking uh just yet but hey college basketball is brutal because you can't lose no team has ever won i don't think in a long time Maybe ever that's lost 10 games or more going into the tournament. So you drop enough. You got to be careful. Um, uh, going no, that's the... The double digit losses winning it all. There's mm-hmm. definitely been a few teams. Ooh. I would say there's I off the top of my head, that Arizona team in the nineties, the with Mike Bibby that, that like, I think they were, that was like 97. Mm. I think I want to say they were like the lowest seed for a while to win it. But like that UConn team with Shabazz Napier, like they were what, like a seven seed or something. I'm mm. sure there's a couple that have done it at this point. It's not common is the main yeah, point here. For sure. You want to win games. That's that's what that's the takeaway. Don't lose a lot of games. No. Um, I don't know what year you're looking at. Cause I'm looking at Arizona was a one seed. I'm looking at and then Kentucky. The year they won. They yeah. like played for it like two years. Whatever mm. the year they won, I'm pretty sure they were like a six seed or something like that. Maybe it was. But um, seven. Well, we can. Uh, it we was can get 97. It okay, we'll, 97. we'll figure it What's out. What's their record? I'm looking at Eric. You got Arizona. it. I'm pulling it's it up. Great. It's great college football radio right here. Uh, I'm looking. I'm looking. I mean, this is Miles Simon. Miles Simon. Uh, that was a, a loaded squad they had there. Lute Olson. Um. Legendary coach. I'm looking one seed. Oh, I'm looking at all the different brackets. They were 19 and nine, good sir. 
Oh, well mm-hmm. done. Fair enough. I told you, it's just not, you just go through the archives. I remember last year, I was like keeping a close eye on it with Tennessee of just uh, where they were at loss-wise. It's just, you don't see many double-digit losses um, and being able to run the full gauntlet and win the, the national title. Just does, it's pretty also, rare. Also, um, uh, the Kimba Walker team uh, was, for UConn, was 32-9. and nine. Aha! 32-8. and eight. Hoo, hoo, and, uh, hoo. 2022-2023 UConn team was uh, 31 and 8. So ooh, UConn's ooh. come close a few times. That's what I've told you. I'm like, it, it just, you go through it. And Tennessee's it just... not making a Final Four. We know that. I mean, they just, they're not a Final right. Four school. You know, that's, right. that's, so that's, they'll have a good season for sure. Rick Barnes, he doesn't go to Final Fours. You know, he's just, he's not that guy. It's not his thing. Moving on. Uh, <laughs> Matt Green. He's the Mark Richt of Tennessee. Like, I'm okay with it. It's whatever. Like, he's the Mark Richt. No, he's no he's Mark a... Richt. Yeah, I mean, he's super likable no, guy. A... Good character. I think me guy. and my brother made that exact comparison, like, a decade ago, comparing uh, comparing into Rick Barnes and Mark Richt. They're the same. I respect Just... that. Yeah. Um, Matt Green, uh, we go into our final week before bowl season and the college ball playoffs. Um all kinds of fun stuff. The regular season has concluded officially. The transfer portal is an absolute dumpster fire uh, right now, tampering all over the place. Um, conference really... championship week, sir. Yeah, it is conference championship week. But um, craziness, the portal opens in just a few days, uh, even though it seems like it's been open. If you uh, read through the tea leaves yeah. on some of these. Players admitting to schools, but the portal is not open yet. Yeah. Very normal times we're living in, in college athletics. Matt Green. What do Hayes Fawcett's DMs look like? Like this guy, <laughs> this guy just knows everything before the college football world does. Like it's insane. Yeah, and you got to come like those graphics. I mean, he is a machine to get over those graphics flipped in time and all that good stuff. Man, I'm sure he's got a, a template. He's got a cash money like <laughs> records type template that he just goes with. He got a couple of choices. Maybe. I don't know, Did but you the, see guy the guy is uh, this. Oh, man. Who's the five star defensive lineman that just decommitted from Ohio State Stone. Uh, to Miami? Justin God, Stone. What was it? David is Stone. Is that the name? Yeah, um, I know who you're talking about. But his graphic, he's got like whatever the Miami palm trees and, and, and the stuff, money. Yeah. And the stack of money just sitting <laughs> right there. Like, ah, oh, I love it. Yeah. I'm, and I'm trying to look. Yeah. What was his name? It's kind of a big loss uh, for. Uh, for um yeah justin scott is what his name was top 10 recruit 2024 yeah um great stuff but no we'll do portal talk and we'll do head coaching rankings and changes and all that kind of stuff once the off season's officially here and it settles because right now you can just be outdated really quick like we could talk about kj jefferson and then who knows what he does in the next 12 hours and guys like that let's just wait on that one and what let the dust settle a little bit before one, we one hmm? i want to mention did Max Johnson start at LSU or was he, was he somewhere before LSU? He started at LSU. So he's just LSU, A&M and now North Carolina. Mm-hmm. So we're getting three, four school quarterbacks all over. JT Daniels is done though. He mm. cannot play college football any longer. Somehow KJ Jefferson has a year left. Somehow Will Rogers. Actually, I think Will Rogers just played four straight. So, mm. uh, but it feels like some of these guys have just been in college forever. Uh, yeah, and the COVID year doesn't wrap up until next year. So we still got one more year 
Uh, and you uh, guys gave Stetson Bennett such a hard time. Like we're we're seeing twenty five year olds all over the place. I don't think that's never mind. Um, Matt Green will pivot to the college football playoff latest rankings. What did you make of what the committee did and what the conversation was following uh, what the committee did this week? I would say the committee made like what would you say one statement this week. And I mm-hmm. think it's Ohio State. Like putting Ohio State at at six, that feels like you made a conscious decision to split up Oregon, Texas, and uh, and Alabama. These three that have been together like the whole way mm-hmm. as like the three one loss teams. Now you're adding Ohio State to that one loss group, and you're saying Oregon is definitely the best of this one loss group. So I feel like that was kind of a statement. But also having Ohio State still be ahead of Texas and Alabama because. I don't really think I'm going by eye test. I don't think Ohio State is better than Texas or Alabama personally. So it's it's hard to say that their one loss is the best loss, quote unquote. Mm. But I, I don't know that I, I think Ohio State's definitely better than them. But I mean, both of those teams win a conference championship and they're easily going to jump Ohio State, I think. So it's not really a an important factor, but I think it says something on like, Ohio State's potential to still like back in if there's like some chaos is like is still there. I don't know. Ohio State would need a lot of help to make the college football playoff. I think it's like one percent, two percent. I don't think there's a path for them. Well, does does Georgia if there's a scenario, I mean, it doesn't even matter what else happens. If you're just judging Georgia and Ohio State, if Georgia loses to Alabama, is is Georgia still ahead of Ohio State? Yes. And so I think if Georgia, if you think Georgia is going to be ahead of Ohio State, then yeah, Ohio State. Don't you? There's not really, yeah, there's no room for two teams that lost their last game to make no. the playoffs with, with, with everything going on. The but way yeah. it worked last year is just so many other teams cannibalized themselves. There's a lot more chaos at the top. Now it's just, we have a lot of chalkboard stuff. Like you, one loss just kind of eliminate, put your put you in a really rough spot. And especially if you're a one loss team that didn't make your conference championship game. I just, I think it's going to be nearly impossible um outside of georgia who we'll get into in a second who i think is the one wild card here um because it's like everybody is coming up with their own arguments right matt green where it's weird because you know uh how i feel about the georgia bulldogs and this is tough for me to say but it's like even if they lose this game like no one is going to change and no one in that committee actually believes georgia's not one of the four best teams in college football this year um it if they lose this game and they miss the playoff it will that means the playoff will not include one of the four best teams in college football. But that's also because Georgia can take care of business down the stretch here. They had their opportunity. That's the whole point of playing these games on grass. Like you want to see the results and the results should matter. That being said, in most years, like even that kind of loss in this SEC title game, we've seen it with Alabama. Like you would still find your way in. But with this kind of circumstance and everything else, it is kind of weird. And I think analysts don't really know what to do with it um across the board of like Look, these are two. I I don't think Alabama is one of the four best teams in college football, but we'll find out this Saturday if they've gotten to that point. But I don't know. I think the Georgia part of it being two time defending champions, you want to see them kind of be able to defend their crown in the playoff. Um, I don't know. I don't think anybody knows what to do with Georgia. And if they lose, I, I just I have no idea what the conversation is going to be, because that's the big thing to me. 
I'll be honest with you. I just came up with this off the top of my head while you were uh, while you were talking. So it's not it might not be well thought out here, but I feel like it has something to do with like the mainstream gambling culture. Like mm. it's it's more and more it just in people's mind of Vegas as this and point spreads and they, they'll be favored on a neutral on a neutral field and all this. That, like that's who's better. The JP poll. Josh Pate is a huge person in college football, you know, media these days. Mm. And he's he weekly comes out with his JP poll, which is power ratings. It's not actually ranking the teams. So it's mm. like people see that it's like oh this is who the best teams are it's a&m should be number 15 it's like no they shouldn't they've lost like five games or however many they've lost at this point Mm. like so it's it's just getting people kind of like we're overthinking what we're doing here it's like we know how the college football polls work it's it's not always the best quote unquote because why do we even play the games? We all know Alabama's loaded with five stars. And for the last decade, they've been one of the best four teams. Like why even play the games? Like, Oh, Alabama's definitely one of four of the best. They lost two games. Yeah. But they're still probably one of the best four yeah. best. Or, or yeah. You know, they're still probably up there. You would probably still gamble on them when you like, yeah, I probably would. So it's, it's like, we're over. Saban said this. this. Yeah, exactly. It's like, remember Saban last points- year was like, I don't know how you leave a team that would be fit. Fa- what did he say about the gambling? Like they'd be favored. We would be, one of those teams exactly. he brought up the gambling part of it i remember exactly so it's like we're just overthinking this we all know it's a combination of the best and most deserved best resume most deserving like that's why the conference championship a little cherry on top is part of the formula a little head to head is definitely part of the formula because like the games have to matter so you i think we're just we all know what it takes to win a to win a national championship Mm. it's it almost it's almost perfection and if you're undefeated winning a conference championship i don't care if you if you lose your starting quarterback at the very end like florida state should be in the playoff like they're they went undefeated like who knows maybe this magic their backup can can have three four more weeks as the starter to prep for the for the college football playoff maybe What's uh Mike, Mike maybe Mike Norvell's got a creative way to use him and it'll and it'll compensate for him. You you just can't really make that decision on what Florida State is if they don't if they don't have their quarterback. Even though right now yeah. I do. I think Texas is better than Florida State if that's what it likely is gonna come down to, I think, is that four or five conversation. And I do today I think Texas is better than Florida State, but you have to reward that 13 and 0 season. So you look at Georgia, if there's chaos, like Everyone didn't take care of business in 2021. That's why Georgia knew that they're undefeated. And even if they lose to Alabama, there's a good chance we're still in the playoff. Like there's there's not that same sense of urgency. This year, it's it's as clean of a call of a conference championship week, like quarterfinal, as we've ever had in this sport. Like obviously mm-hmm. it's not a completely quarterfinal. Florida State's beating a team that just lost to Kentucky a week ago. No disrespect to Louisville. Oklahoma State's lost three games. That's Texas's quarterfinal game. And, and Texas also might not get in, right? Mm. It's only a quarterfinal if something else happens. So, but with the Pac-12 and SEC championships this weekend, it's it's gonna, I feel like it's gonna end up being pretty clean. There's just that conversation of Florida State. And I think that's gonna be, I feel like Reese Davis and Kirk Herb Street are like pushing it hard. It kind of feels like if I was a Florida State fan. I know I would be like, they got an agenda against our team. Like, because I'm a neutral person. I'm not even a neutral person. Look, I'm not partial to Florida State in any way. 
And I'm like, man, it feels like they're trying to kind of put that seed out there of like, you know, we should evaluate Florida State. Like they don't look very good. Like mm. I just I don't I don't see it that way. I think Florida State, like I said earlier this week, they should have been the biggest winner of of rivalry week a week ago. Like they they beat Florida a six a five and seven Florida team by multiple scores on the road in a in a ugly like tough game. Alabama needed a miracle to beat Auburn, mm. a six and six Auburn team. Washington State had a last second win over a five and seven Washington team. Those teams were at full strength. So I don't want to hear like what you believe Florida State is or isn't. Like if they're thirteen and zero, they got to be in the college ball playoff. And I also think that's one of those people are getting mad and I'm like, they're going to be in. Like, I don't know why people are freaking out about this. I think if Florida State wins, there's no question they're in. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think the committee now, do I think a lot Maurice of talking Davis, to- man, he's putting it out there. They're going to do it. I just don't, I just don't think it's going to happen. It would set such a bad precedent for it. I mean, I guess it doesn't matter as much because you're going to the 12 team next year anyway, but no, I just, I don't think they'll do it. I, I think the backlash would be pretty, pretty paramount. And I think. It should be because if Florida State does win, they should be in. Like, what else do you want them to do? They went undefeated in the Power Five conference, won their conference title game. They have to be in. Like, there's no question about it. They have to be in. Now, that's that goes back to the betting culture where the conversation all week has been Georgia wins and Florida State wins. That's probably the matchup in round one. And they're like, what's the opening line? I think someone released the opening. I think Bud Elliott today on Twitter put what a, a hypothetical or what the betting markets are already thinking about. Uh, that game and it's like dogs are like favored by 13 and a half or 14 uh yeah, against florida state thinking 14 or 15 or something yeah and you're like, like yeah that's a disaster and that can be true like that's well, and a you disaster heard, and you heard kirk herbstreet say that like these first mm. round games have been like an average of 19 points a game and mm. it's like yeah you're a broadcaster that works for a tv network that essentially owns the playoff it's like I I just feel a certain kind of way about it. I'm not a conspiracy mm. theorist over here, but it's like I don't I don't really care what you think is going to make for the best TV product. Like Florida State earned it, even if they're not at full strength currently. Like if there's a, if they're a one loss team and you're like yeah, but they just lost their quarterback. I think there's a discussion to be had. You know, I think you can have the injury conversation, but when they're undefeated, I think you got to get give them the benefit of the doubt for sure. I agree. Matt Green, what should college football fans be rooting for this weekend? What is the final four that they should be rooting for if their team is not one of the ones still fighting for it? I think you want to see the four best teams that can all win a national championship, right? Like Alabama might be one of the four best teams, but Georgia's trying to make history, I think, over three in a row. I think that's a a cooler storyline. Like, if I'm a neutral-sided fan, who knows? Maybe you're like, I want to see a new team, and you hate Georgia. Um, I can't can't vibe with you there. But I think you got to root for Georgia. You don't want – who knows? Do you want chaos, or do you want, like, the four four best teams? Because I feel like we run into this in college basketball, that we all want chaos and upsets. But then you're like – when the final four is is North Carolina and Kentucky and Kansas and UCLA, it's like it kind of feels like it's a better product than when VCU is playing uh, whoever George Mason or something. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So <clears throat> from that perspective, I think the best final four is Georgia versus Texas in the first round, and then um, Michigan versus Oregon uh, in the two three matchup. 
I think that's probably right. Um, you could also sell me on Michigan, Texas, and Oregon, Georgia in the first round because I kind of am worried about a Oregon, Georgia final just based on what we saw a year ago. That I think you want to avoid that one uh, if you can because personally, but you can't I, you can't see the tournament like that, right? You just no. gotta judge Oregon versus Texas's resume. And if they no, beat Washington, if they beat Washington, there's no argument for Texas being ahead of Oregon, right? Like this whole way, Oregon's been ahead. Then they they beat number three. Yeah. Why Texas beats? No, I mean that's how it would work 15. out. But I'd feel like that might be. My gut tells me if you get that, the nat- that's the national championship, kind of like last year with C.J. Stroud and Ohio State versus Georgia. Like I think Texas has the best shot of those four to beat. Uh, to beat Georgia what they have in the defensive line that we'll get into and how good that defense has yeah. been all year long and the guys they have outside I I just I don't know my gut tells me Texas of the remaining teams give is the best has the best shot of dethroning Georgia if they take care of business on Saturday yeah I've actually I've said the same thing I think with their with their weapons they have outside and like you've seen the those that graphic that comes up every Georgia game like uh, the the last four games they've lost to is is a guy was like a Heisman it was a Heisman finalist that threw for about yeah. 400 yards. So it's like the um that that's usually what it takes. And and Quinn Ewers hasn't been that, but we know that often he's has shown that, flashes that and he went ability. into Tuscaloosa and won. Like he's shown that he can win those kind of games. For sure. I mean that's they're a dangerous team. Yes, they are Matt Green. Um Patino, uh, Patino, Patrino goes to Arkansas. He comes back home uh, as the new offensive coordinator for Sam Pittman. Um, just your immediate reaction to Patrino uh, getting the OC job. Obviously, had a lot of success. Did not end well uh, in Fayetteville, but it didn't end. This... It didn't end well in Fayette. How did it end? Do you? Uh, remember it did not what... end well. Did anything noteworthy happen at all? Not just I. Uh, uh, my, uh, someone in the in my group thread uh, said that he should show up to the press conference in the neck brace. Mm-hmm. Just uh, just get a whole get a laugh out of it, you know, like just just own it, you know, that mm. acknowledge the elephant in the room. Um, I don't know that'd be bold, but I thought it was huge. Um, because Sam Pittman, um, he he got he got he's still there, you know, he mm. got to he got to scapegoat the offensive coordinator, but he's still he's still going strong. I think Petrino, you know, we've talked about it. he's one of the best offensive minds in the game. Texas AM was just, you know, just an absolute mess. You know, mm. there's so many things going on, so much negativity throughout the program, throughout just the the fan base. Jimbo Fisher, who knows? We still don't know how much, you know leeway he was giving Petrino how much his hands were still kind of handcuffing the offense so um I think Petrino to Arkansas is huge I think you know Pittman's gonna be like yo do your thing dial up that offense do it do that thing you do um and I think it's big time uh for Arkansas for sure no and I think it's uh, no KJ Jefferson uh, as he enters the portal so I'm curious to see who the quarterback is for uh Petrino maybe Cam Ward maybe um well it's not gonna be max johnson he ends up in north carolina but i'm very curious about who the quarterback is because i don't think it's gonna be an in-house guy uh right now but uh, petrino is in the lead McCall. off of who a grace a little grace and mccall action i don't know if he's a fit there yeah i don't know I don't know if he's a petrino guy maybe petrino can do anything it. he can uh just give him whatever he, he can he can dial something up 
I mean, think about it. I mean, so much success with Ryan Mallett, same kind of success with Lamar Jackson, a lot of success with Connor Wegman uh, before he went down. Petrino is just, I mean, he's one of, he's an elite play caller. Like this is a, there's no way to sugarcoat this. Like I understand all the extra part of it that you can throw at this hire and all that stuff. But like at the end of the day, Pittman's trying to save his job and Arkansas is, has got the easiest schedule in the SEC next year and they need to win some games. And if you're in a Hail Mary type situation that Sam Pittman's in, I think Petrino's just a great hire just in terms of what he can do. And I mean, he's, I think this offense is going to be a lot better next year. Like Petrino just gets results. Like, I think this is going to be a lot more fun. If you're an Arkansas fan, you should be excited. Um, Fran Brown though, out of nowhere, next head coach at Syracuse, not Dan Mullen, as we talked about, he just mentioned on Twitter. Yeah. I'm not taking that job. Um, Fran Brown, Elite recruiter, probably the best uh, recruiter on Kirby's staff. Um, done a great job with the linebackers, uh, in co- or excuse me, in the se- the secondary uh, over the last couple of years. New Jersey native. Um, it's a big jump, though, to not even be a coordinator and get this full-time gig. Um, I don't know what that means for him and his success, because Syracuse is a hard job, and we'll see what he does to fill out the staff. You're going to have to have, like we've talked about Mississippi State and schools like that. You have to have a weird offense because you're just not going to have the talent, not going to have the NIL capital uh, to really uh, play a uh, pro style like stuff that he's doing in Georgia. Like he cannot run the Georgia offense at Syracuse. So he's going to have to adapt there to his personnel. So we should see how he handles the OC search and all that kind of stuff. I'm very curious on what Fran Brown does there. But what is Syracuse getting and what are what should Syracuse fans be excited about with Fran Brown and, and how worried are you or about losing Fran Brown uh, in the secondary? Yeah, I mean Fran Brown, the, the, he's been talked about as like the the best recruiter on this Georgia staff. Like you see so many defensive ba- uh commits that this Georgia team gets, not even just defensive backs that that will mention Fran Brown in their mm. recruitment. So, he's big time, you know. <clears throat> excuse me. Um, he's definitely big time. He's big time loss. Um, I, th- I did hear one thing that he, he might only be sticking out to the SEC championship and he might not be staying like through the bowl games and all, and all that. So mm. that would be one thing that's, that's pretty interesting. Obviously Kirby smart and will Muschamp have a lot of experience coaching DBs, but that would, uh, that would be a huge loss if that's something that does affect Georgia's postseason run. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, he's a DB coach, so, we don't really know what exactly his offensive philosophy is. So it would be interesting to see kind of what he wants to do at Syracuse. But, uh, you know, seeing what the Georgia has recruited at, at corner and safety the last like two or three seasons, it's just been five star after five star. Like in another one, Ellis Robinson, you know, is maybe the number one player overall to some people um, in this upcoming class. So number one corner in the country. So. Yeah, Fran Brown, big time, but uh, you know, I think Georgia's probably going to go out and find, you know, probably one of the better DB coaches in college football uh, to replace him. Do you think, so? You don't think they go yeah, in house? Maybe get Champ Bailey on the staff so to complete just this all all former Georgia players, uh, all people that played with Kirby Smart in the '90s. Um, no, but um, I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, who is it uh, that Florida just fired? Um, Corey Raymond. Corey Raymond, like he obviously had a huge reputation at LSU. Like, I don't know if he would be interested in, in the Georgia job, but you know, I think Georgia in the position they're in, you know, I think Fran Brown wasn't just some guy like we're talking about Muschamp and Bobo. That was a buddy. Like that was, that was a, a, a hire that 
Kirby Smart waited like the whole offseason to make. Like it was kind mm-hmm. of a, a a thing of like how how long that uh, vacancy stayed open. You know, he did his homework and found the best guy for the job. So, you know, I trust Kirby Smart. He's this is not the first uh, former assistant that Kirby Smart's had. You know, get Sam Pittman, Dan Lanning, um, Shane Beamer. Like you're you're seeing a, a coaching tree. So I think that's one of the best things. And and that's like the of all the things that Kirby Smart learned from Nick Saban, it's and that's what it is. It's the actual like management of the program. And there always seems to be a backup plan for the backup plan. And I'm sure he'll he'll fill it in with a with a big time coach. I like it. Uh Matt Green, college football conference championship weekend is here. Uh seven games. We'll go through in detail uh, a couple of them here, but uh where are we going into the weekend and uh is it possible for you to catch up to me have i already locked up our pick in back-to-back years and uh where are we going first uh yeah i would say you have locked up the uh pick for back-to-back years i guess overall there's a chance i could catch you uh on the weekend but uh depending on who we pick and everything but uh that's why on you're the gonna season, go first on the season uh, overall you're 103 and 48 uh, I am 151, uh, so you got three game lead there, and then against the spread, you're 80, 86, 61, and four to my 79, 68, and four. So I, I tallied this up though. Mm. Uh, both of us together, and Zeus thrown in there at 12 and five against the spread, us three were 177, 134, and eight on the season, 57. percent So the people are getting quality information against the spread week in and week out um from both of us here on the podcast and then overall we're 203 and 99 on picking winners and losers so 67 percent that's uh that's not bad at all sir there you go um matt green where are we going first let's start it off in the uh friday night we got the conference usa championship new mexico state and s and uh liberty um liberty beat them 33 to 17 back on september 9th um how do you see this game going sir jamie chadwell uh these are you know what they need to move i mean everything about the calendar just sucks because this game could have easily um gotten ruined or there's another game that might potentially get ruined depending on how things go over the next 24 to 48 hours but like the coaching changes where you're like, is Jamie Chabell? Because if he gets the Mississippi State job or whatever, then an undefeated Liberty team is like just in a weird spot going into their conference title game. But Mexico State obviously had their big win against uh, the Auburn Tigers already this year. So big road win for them. Um, solid team. Uh, they used to be one of the worst programs in college football. They've been there for uh, multiple times in our lifetime, Matt Green. So the Aggies being able to uh, get back into conference championship season, even if uh, you and myself as college football diehards could not probably name every conference USA team uh, anymore. And I mean, did you know, I'll give you, here's some trivia, CUSA trivia, Matt Green, who is the latest team to announce that they are joining conference USA in 2025? Oh man. Um, I'll give you a hint. Their head coach has been on my show this year. Oh, is it Liberty? It's not. They're already in it. They're Liberty in the conference in title game. Uh, what am I talking about? um coastal carolina it is not coastal carolina um what i was gonna say what about sam houston is what i was gonna guess before your hint it's not sam houston do you want me to just tell uh, you i don't know yeah the delaware blue hens good sir uh, i did see that oh great call ryan candy good dude 
love talking to him um great logo i love the the blue hens it's great they yeah. got the the wolverine look and it's just a lighter shade of blue it's a good look i'm excited delaware making the jump to fbs in two years so um all that to be said great year caden salter former tennessee recruit um actually tennessee player very very briefly kicked off the team and then transferred to liberty um having a great year uh with jamie chadwell chadwell's offense is awesome undefeated year they're fine they're rolling um and i think they win here so finishing perfect for uh the liberty flames in my estimation so give me liberty to win and cover macarine uh you got a score prediction let's go 42 24 42 to 24 uh new mexico state has won eight straight coming into this game Liberty has won, obviously, 12 straight. Jamie Chadwell is 44 and 6 in his last 50. I'm uh I'm with you. Give me Liberty to win, but not cover. New Mexico State is gonna keep it close. Um 38-31. All right. Where our are we going game, next, Green? Our next game on Friday night. This is the big one. One of the big ones. Mm-hmm. We got Oregon and Washington in Las Vegas. What is the uh, spread? Oregon is a nine and a half point favorite in this game after losing by three earlier this season. How do you see this game going, sir? Uh, I think this is potentially the game of the weekend. Um, We'll get into Bama, Georgia in terms of anticipation and things like that. But I think this one I'm most confident goes to the wire. This one I'm most confident is going to be a back and forth slugfest. Um, This game, I think, is the most evenly matched two teams uh, in the playoff uh, or in the conference championship weekend. We'll see if that ends up being true after all things are said and done. But look, this kind of feels like to me and i don't know if you agree with this comparison i was thinking about this this week washington's awesome i feel bad for them like i if i could do one thing with us going to the 12 team playoff i would get rid of the conversato game starting next year that shit needs to end we need to move on especially with divisions going away this is over like we don't need to keep playing these games over and over again you talked about on last week's show um that ohio state michigan might be playing twice in a row uh in this situation and they still somehow both make like it's going to get redundant and really bad really fast. So I think this needs to go. So if you're getting rid of divisions, I think we should actually get rid of conference title weekend. Um, all that being said, because look, oh, if you're geez. a Washington, huh? I, I don't know. Just keep going. Keep going. Yeah. I'm sorry. Um, but with Wa- with Auburn a couple of years ago, the Jarrett Stidham year where they beat Georgia, they beat Alabama late and their treat is Georgia again without Carrion Johnson in that game. Their workhorse back, he's banged up. Carrion Johnson played in that game. No, he was very banged up and he it he was, was banged uh, up, but he played. Not really. It was not the same Carrion Johnson who was thrashing Alabama and, and Georgia the previous two weeks. It's Jerry Stadium. Blast that being said. <laughs> that being said, I just feel like that's where Washington's at. Where it's like they won their big game. They beat Oregon in the regular season. And now they have to go and beat them again when they just finished 12-0. and They have this great, awesome season. Like, there's no question they belong in the playoff. But, like, they have to beat Oregon twice. And you know what's going to be hard? To beat a top-10 team in offense and defense twice in the same year. And that's what they're being asked to do. So, I just... It kind of reminds me of where Auburn was at. Where it was like Auburn kept winning big games. But eventually, you're going to lose one of these games against top-10 teams. And when you play three top-10 teams in a month span 
you're going to be in trouble. And if you're Washington and you have to beat a top 10 team, top five team in Oregon twice in the same year, it's a lot of volatility. Even if you are one of those teams, it doesn't mean you're any worse. I just feel bad for Washington fans because they are just in a, they're in a really tough spot. They could just win. doesn't matter. I mean, the spread being nine and a half when you're the undefeated team, and the other team has one loss doesn't bode well for how things are going to go. But like, look, they have six straight wins. Uh, the Ducks have six straight wins. They're blowing everybody out. They're surging at the right time. Washington's limping in here. Like they are winning a bunch of one score games. Like you, uh, Washington's last eight games, they've been decided by 10 points or less. Like th- that's what's happening. Like the Apple cup was close. Um, every game has just come down to basically a one score game for Washington on the back half of this year. And they're limping. They're trying to make it through, but they're winning impressive games. Like winning at Oregon state was a, a nice win. Most people don't win at Oregon state. Um, they beat Oregon outright. Like they're just, you go through the list. They beat USC in a different way where they have to outscore uh, USC in, in an offensive slugfest. Like they've won every type of game. And I just, I don't know. It, I feel so weird because I don't really want to bet against Kalen DeBoer. And I also don't want to bet against Dan Lanning twice. So the big thing too, Oregon doesn't give up sacks, only five sacks all year long. It's the fewest in all of uh, college football this year. But Washington's also 110th in sacks. Like, they don't sack anybody, so that's going to be part of the game. Bo Nix is going to have time. I mean, Kalen DeBoer, though, I just... He's 23-2 and two at UW. Second longest win streak in the country. They've won 19 straight. He's 102-11 and 11 as a head coach in general, man. Like, I... It's just hard. Like, both these teams, I think, are really good. I think both these teams are top five teams in the sport and one of these teams is going to miss the playoff and i kind of just every every conversation has been about oh what if georgia misses what if um bama misses and i'm like i feel worse for the loser of this game if it's washington because i think washington and oregon are both kind of they remind me of michigan ohio state last year where i think they're both worthy playoff teams and would cause some fun damage and have been one of the two of the four best teams in the in college well at least you can make that case i don't know all that to be said I just don't think Washington can beat Oregon twice. I don't think it's going to happen. So I think they're going to cover. So I think nine and a half is way too much and kind of disrespectful to Washington at this point. So give me Oregon 31, Washington 28. Ooh, uh, a real barn burner there. Um, so re- in rematches in the Pac-12 championship, the uh, previous winner is five and one in mm. the rematch in the conference title game. Like you said, Washington's won their last four games have all been really close. And the Oregon state was definitely the most impressive of the bunch. Like Utah doesn't look like that good of a team at, at this point. Um, but Oregon is just basically blowing out everybody since the Washington game. And obviously that game was, was in, uh, in Seattle. So that's, we, we know how loud uh, Husky Stadium is. So obviously, I think that's going to, you know, that's going to sway the, the the two pretty evenly matched teams. But you just look at, like, I feel like it's an under, like, talked about thing that, like, Michael Penix for the last at least month has, has just not really been great. Like, this offense hasn't just been clicking on all cylinders. Like, the the only game they won by multiple scores over the last month or so was, was USC. And mm. that was, that was a shootout like 52 to 42, but yeah, it was basically a one score game the whole way. So um, I just look at Washington. 
they haven't really been they they their off this offense was just unguardable the first like five, six weeks of the season, but it just hasn't been as smooth for whatever reason. Michael Penix has only thrown for 300 yards um in one of the last four games. So I just look at Washington right now compared to what Oregon is, and Oregon just feels like they're better at all facets. So I kind of think Oregon's going to win this one like handedly. Like you said, uh, what Kalen DeBoer's 23 and two, Dan Lanning's mm-hmm. 21 and four. Like this is, this is like a great matchup of these two, uh, young head coaches. Obviously two of those losses of Dan Lanning's are to Kalen DeBoer. So it's, uh, he's had his number so far through two years, but I think this Oregon team is just better all around. Um, and so I'm going Oregon 41, 24. Mm. Big win. Yeah. I think Oregon this makes a statement. Me. Okay. Because I just look at this team. I want to pick Washington. I'm so mad at myself. I want to just pick Washington with every part of me, but I just, I can't do it. I'm going to be so mad when Washington just wins this game. Washington has a TCU uh, feel from a year ago that it's, they're good. They have, I think, probably more NFL talent, but, you know, they had Quentin Johnson, like his big time NFL prospect uh, for TCU and and Kendra Miller. But I think, uh, I, I think they just there's something about them that we're kind of I'm kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop, and I think Oregon just feels like a more well-rounded team. That's fair. Where are we going next, Matt Green? Uh, let's go to Saturday uh, noon, the nooner. Uh, we got Texas and Oklahoma State. I got a trivia question for you, sir. Mm-hmm. How many Big Twelve championship game appearances? Or I would I guess I'll rephrase it. What is Mike Gundy's record in big 12 championship games in his career at oklahoma state well he lost to baylor when he could have gone the nash or the college ball playoff two years ago um oh and three that would be oh and one sir was that it just baylor the one he only made it once time the only time they've ever because there was that mm. period there where there were only 10 teams and they got rid mm. of the the conference championship for a couple years there but yeah, the only th- I was shocked when mm. I looked at it, Oklahoma State's only been to one Big Twelve championship. Um, mm. Nine and nine is Mike Gundy's record uh, versus Texas since he's been at Oklahoma State, and that's obviously you look at the series uh, with Texas and Oklahoma State. That's by far the most success Oklahoma State has had. So um, I, I just look at this game. Oklahoma State's obviously won seven of eight right now, but. Texas just feels like they have too much to play for. It, it feels they feel like Ohio State 2014. That's like tr- sitting right on the outside that needs to make a uh, statement, and they're just going to go out there and win like 59 to zero or something like that. Like I think Texas is going to just abuse uh, Oklahoma State in this game. Give me Texas like 40, 41, 41 to 20. I think Texas wins this this pretty easily. 41 to 20. I like it, Matt Green. Um, I am right there with you, I think. Um, this is one of those games where Texas, everything about this game says Texas should roll. Um, Texas scored 30 points in 12, uh, in 10 of its 12 games, which is kind of wild. I don't know if you felt like this, but this year, felt like the offense, especially when Quinn Ewers went down, felt like the offense wasn't as explosive as we thought it was going to be with as many guys. Jonathan Brooks obviously goes out for the year late. Um, but no, they've actually scored a lot of points every week. They've kind of like sneakily been a real a good offense and scored enough points to 
do just enough to win every week. Um, it hasn't been like an, an Iowa situation, obviously, or anything. But like Ollie Gordon is Oklahoma State's best player, right? He has had a mm-hmm. fantastic year on the ground um, and big part of why Oklahoma State is 9-3 and three and in this spot in the Big 12 title game. But here's the problem. Texas is with sweat in the middle of their uh, their defense. I just don't see him having a good day. I think this is a bad fit, bad matchup for the Cowboys. Um, they've held uh, – they had a stretch this year where Houston, BYU, Kansas State, TCU, and Iowa State all uh, didn't crack 100 rushing yards on Texas. Like Oklahoma State has no shot if they don't run on Texas, and Texas is third down. They're the best third down defense in college football, best red zone defense in college football, and fourth in rushing defense. Like all about all this matchup screams to me is Oklahoma State getting put in the blender and making a lot of mistakes through the air because they can't run the ball and Texas capitalizing. I don't think this game's close. I think Texas blows it, blows them out, takes care of business. It's just matchup more than anything else. I don't like how the personnel matches up in this one so give me texas 38 give me oklahoma state 20 yeah i'm with you there and and jonathan brooks had two games this year with like 98 and like 99 yards rushing so they've essentially had a 98 yard rusher eight straight games and that's Mm. two games without jonathan brooks they've still had a 100 yard rusher the last two weeks so i think uh i think texas does take care of business in this one um, and then we got the big game of the weekend, sir. Four o'clock, CBS, the final SEC championship game on CBS. The end of an era, some say. And uh, we got the Georgia Bulldogs and the Alabama Crimson Tide, sir. We've had 32 SEC cha- – this will be the 32nd SEC championship game. Mm. The 21st of those games that has featured Georgia or Alabama – but this will be the fourth appearance of Georgia and Alabama in the SEC championship. And Alabama is 3-0 and versus Georgia in the title game. And you've seen the stats. Nick Saban, 7-0 and in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. 4-1 and versus Kirby Smart. He's, uh, he's had uh, Georgia's number. And uh, I ask you this, going to this game. Who is under more pressure, Kirby Smart or Nick Saban? Um, I think it's Kirby or uh, Nick Saban. Kirby's won back-to-back titles. Nick's trying to prove that he's not lost his fastball. That he still oh, like hey, look, they won last year, and you didn't play Bama. You didn't beat us. We were one of the two best teams, we think, and we lost two games by combined four points. Like we felt we could have hung with Georgia last year. We'll never know. It's a great what if. You can play the what if game if you're Saban last year. You can't do it now. Like this is a huge game where you're two lost team and you're out again and then it's like what we talked about on the show where you're in a bunch of these close games now and it's great that you're unbelievable in these close games but what if those stats of like uh Saban being undefeated in Atlanta that's broken this weekend what if um those dominating sets just like what it was it was just the what he always has been but against Kirby Smart he's not that those are the old days and it's like the the wire quote like uh that's the thing about the old days they the old days one of my favorite quotes uh in the show and i wonder if that's just kind of where we're at uh with saban and alabama and i think that's a possibility like we'll find out on the field and that's why this i'm glad there are stakes here i'm glad it it determines whether or not uh who makes the playoff out of the sec if bama wins they still could get left out of the playoff because if texas takes care of business and bama wins hey guess what 
Bama, you're still not getting it. I, I, there is a mutiny if Texas gets left out and they beat Bama in a head-to-head matchup and they put the SEC team in. You want to talk Every, about... So many people I hear seem to think Alabama is in regardless. And that, like, they're... They should I not. If Texas wins, you don't get in. I'm w- I'm with you. If if there's chalk ahead of them and Texas wins, I, I don't know how you'd have Alabama jump Texas. But But all that being said, look, this is two very different teams. Look, this you should not be in a dogfight against Auburn. You should not be in a dogfight with a lot of teams. You should not be down twenty to seven at the half against this version of Tennessee. Um and have to have a twenty eight nothing perfect second half. There is they're just not the same team, and we all have seen it. It's just they're winning. Like, they're closing games really well, and Saban deserves credit for second-half adjustments. He's one of the best in the country at that. Um, so he deserves a lot of credit for that. You're not going to believe this. Give Nick Saban the benefit of the doubt. But I don't know. Like, Georgia is just the, – the rush defense is not as dominant as it's been. Like, they've allowed um, 100 yards to from Peyton Thorne uh, in that game, or it was right around there uh, in the Auburn game months ago. But, like – Milro, his last four games, seven rushing TDs, 297 yards, like only sacked four times. But like he made plays with his legs in terms of just running around the pocket, finding guys, extending plays. He's a lot more comfortable than he's been, uh, especially early in the year. I, I don't know. Like I it, it's hard because I think he's going to have success against this Georgia team. I think in the neutral get sight. I think this is going to be a pretty split crowd. I think he's going to be okay. I think he's going to make some bad decisions. I think he's going to make some really good ones. He's going to make plays. I don't see how this game's a blowout. I think that's something I've looked at back and forth of like, okay, how could this game go? Is there a path to one of them blowing out the other? No, I don't think so. Georgia's never beaten Alabama, I believe, is the favorite, and they've been the favorite the last couple times against Alabama. Um, no, Georgia was the favorite in the national championship. Were they? I thought Bama was the after, favorite in that one. After after they lost the SEC championship, they were still favored in the, in the oh, okay. national championship. So, but I think it, maybe are they three and one or something? Or have they have they been favored in the SEC championship? I mean, that's the only time they've beaten them since Matthew Stafford was there. So, yeah. it's well, one way, and whatever. I, and I don't think they've ever beaten. Alabama in the SEC championship game, obviously in Atlanta. So you have that record here and I just, yeah. Oh, and three. I mean, it's hard. The Bulldogs. I've gone back and forth in this Matt green. Cause I could see a path to just, it's so dumb to keep picking against Nick Saban, but it doesn't feel the same week over week i can't shake the feeling that it does not feel the same and i don't think they win here so i think this game's close i could see a uh, a great second half carson beck coming out party um and dicing up and they win the second half maybe alabama is the team that gets out to a good start against georgia because we've seen that teams have scored early tennessee obviously the first play against georgia georgia started slow i think this might be a game where bama's up at the half and Georgia comes out with some big time second half adjustments and they kind of break the game open a little bit. So I think Georgia wins and covers. Give me. Oh, after all. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All that. After all that, I just I think Georgia's like the I think Georgia right now is the best team in college football, and I think Alabama's like the seventh or eighth team. I still don't think they're there. The spread has moved a little bit. So what what's your score? And I'll tell you if it's uh, give me thirty one Georgia twenty Alabama. Thirty one twenty. Okay. Yeah. So the spread right now, I think it started three and a half. I think it got up to six. Now it looks like five and a half. So. I'm not exactly sure uh, what Vegas thinks uh, about this game, but I, I look at this uh, this matchup, and so these two teams, there was four common opponents, and they're pretty solid uh, common opponents too, because obviously at Auburn, they're, they're rivalry games with both of, with the, both of those. Uh, they both played Tennessee, they both played Ole Miss at home, uh, and they both played Kentucky. And in those games, Alabama won by an average score of 33 and a half, 33 and a half to 18.8 uh, plus 15 points, essentially on average versus those four teams, Georgia against those same teams won by an average of 42 to 15 uh, plus 27. So like, that's a, that's a huge difference. You look at, and obviously that, that doesn't tell us everything. I think we saw the same thing in 2021 and, and Alabama was able to beat that Georgia team in the SEC championship. Um, but you look at Alabama's had eight games this season that were a one score game going into the fourth quarter that's happened to Georgia twice. So you've just, you've seen week after week, like there's, there were a couple games like Missouri and, and Georgia tech were one score games at some point in the fourth quarter, but they weren't entering the fourth quarter. <clears throat> but you look at just week after week, this Alabama team is just having to grind it out with everybody. Cause I, that, and that's what I think is so interesting. Like what, what is Alabama's like identity this year? Like what is, what are their strengths? Would you say? Um, I'm sure it's, or I just go ahead. I mean, definitely pass rush. I think their pass rush is a, is a strength still with Dallas Turner and company. Um, let me, let me simplify. I, I, I left it too open-ended. I think Alabama would say their, their identity is defense and running the football. And, and both of those things, that's not really Georgia's identity. Georgia does both of those things better than Alabama does. I was going like, to say, I don't even think it's running the football. It's a lot of like, like it's a lot of hey Milrow go make a play like McClellan has not been great this year it's I wouldn't I mean, guess Milrow is part of the rushing attack but but yeah they're 45th you're, you're in right rushing there. this year exactly and so that's what I'm saying like they don't yeah. necessarily have like an, an identity to lean on like their defense is you know the whole what a joyless murder ball thing yeah. it's like they're fine. They're a good defense like they're a really good defense but they're not like the best defense in the country like mm. they're they're as good as Georgia, maybe, maybe better. Like they're, they're not like they're these, I would say these defenses are indistinguishable from each other. They're both really good defenses, right? You can split hairs and say one is better than the other, but you look at these offenses and it's not even close. Like Georgia is just better at everything offensively. And they're so much more efficient. 
Uh, I saw that stat from Graham Coffee, like in in their like uh, in these four games that I mentioned, like Alabama's net yards per play was like 0.82, and Georgia was like plus 0.25 or something, just like a, a, a massive difference. And I, I just you look at who Alabama's played down the stretch because I I really do think like you can just say like we're he- I'm hedging my bet or whatever or like kind of cover my own ass. But I feel like we were right about Alabama, like coming into this season, but we were wrong about the rest of the SEC West. Like hmm. Texas A&M fired their coach. They were terrible. Like LSU had like the worst defense, but maybe in school history this year, like this was a flawed Alabama team, but it was also a flawed SEC West. And they were able to get by a lot of these teams. Ole Miss, one of their closer games, like Ole Miss is fine. Like they lost to Georgia and Alabama so obviously you would say those are two good losses but there's just not a lot of great teams that they faced so I I don't I don't think they've other than uh and we saw LSU put up 28 points in three quarters with Jaden Daniels and they basically didn't have him for the whole fourth quarter and that's obviously the best offense they've played this season and I think you're going to see Georgia have the same type of success that LSU did and they're they don't have the defense that Georgia has, you know, like this isn't going to be some just shootout, like 40 something to 40 something. Like, I, I just don't see that. I, I, I see with what Jalen Milrow is. And I think with what Georgia's defense, like you saw how Georgia uh, attacked Joe Milton. And obviously Joe Milton is nowhere close to the athlete that Jalen Milrow is. But the, the they basically just dared him to beat them from the pocket. And you saw Georgia's got maybe the best secondary in college football. They were able to, to win that way. And Joe Milton was not able to hit enough throws. And I just don't trust Jalen Milrow's accuracy to hit to beat Georgia with his arm. If if he's able to get loose and just be running around making plays, like that's how Alabama can win this game. But I think you're gonna see Georgia be more disciplined than Auburn was a week ago. I, I don't think you're going to see Jalen Milrow constantly running for first downs. I think Georgia just has a different level of athlete at that linebacker position than and the secondary than than anyone that Alabama's seen all season, in my opinion. So I I think this honestly, I'm not going to say it's Jalen Hurts level, like national championship type stuff, like getting shut out at halftime, but I think this game has a lot of blowout potential. I think there's a chance if Jalen Milrow like isn't able to get, because I mean, you look at these Alabama receivers too, like who's the one that really scares you? Like Jermaine Burton's a good player. He's not a, he's not Marvin Harrison jr. He's not Jamar chase. Like he's not some superstar that, that can just a, a Luther burden that can just open up the secondary. He's a, he's a good player. And you look at what Georgia's got in the secondary, I think they have a, the advantage everywhere. So I think you could see Milrow make some plays with his legs, but I think for the most part, Georgia's going to keep him under wraps and make him win with his arm. And I think Georgia wins this thing big. I think it's like, I'm going to say 38-17. I think Georgia wins this. And then, and I think the uh, the dynasty is officially over once Nick Saban. This is Nick Saban has never gone three years without a national title um, since he's been at Alabama, and I think going a third year without a national title, I think it really would it would it would really signify the passing of the torch that Georgia is the top dog in the SEC. No pun intended. I agree. All right, Macarine, where are we going next? 
let's uh, keep it moving to the American. We got Tulane and SMU. How do you how do you see? Uh, who was the SMU quarterback? He's out. I'm blanking on Preston his name Stone. right now. He is out for this game. Yeah. Uh, what what's this? What's this? Willie Fritz here? might be named head coach at Houston before this game starts. Is that right? He's one um, of the final three. Tulane's a three and a half point favorite in this one. I'm gonna I'm gonna take the green wave uh, for obvious reasons, and um, I'm gonna say 38-31. They win in cover. I would have picked SMU if Stone didn't get, did not get hurt in this game. But with Stone out, I like Rhett Lashley, 17 and 8 at SMU to this point. Um, he's done a good job there. Um, but now give me the, the green wave to ride it out here uh, in the end. But it will be interesting to see if Fritz is still the head coach going into this game. Give me Tulane. Yeah, give me Tulane 35, SMU 24. All right, put it on the board. Um, we got the Big Ten Championship. They are that you're not adjusting your uh, your sets, folks. The Big Ten Championship was not played last week in Ann Arbor. It is being played this week in Indianapolis. And Michigan is a 21 and a half point favorite over Iowa. And I know people are like, 21? They're not even going to score 21 points in this game. It's Iowa. That's when Iowa's playing everybody else. And Iowa just gets them down in the mud and and it's and it's three to three at halftime and i will say i don't even think we talked about on the podcast last week nebraska iowa was so much fun i had so much fun watching that it was i in my group thread with my with my buddies we were like all like texting you know because just kind of throughout different things and at one point i'm like why are we all watching Iowa Nebraska? Like we're we're texting like this is a Georgia game or this is like the Iron Bowl or something. But it was just it was hilarious. Um that was a classic Iowa win, but this that's what Iowa does against everybody else. Like Penn State took Iowa to the woodshed. And this I this uh I think the the I'm not a big gambler, you know, but the the team total team point totals for Iowa. Mm. I think I've seen it like two and a half. Like I, I think there's a chance they don't score in this game. I might still take the under. I'm going to take Michigan 34 to zero. I think they shut out Iowa. I think this is a Harbaugh is three and one, I think, or maybe four and one against Kirk Ferentz. I think, I think it's three and one. I had it written down somewhere, but it's not important. Um, yeah. I'm saying Michigan shuts out Iowa. This, this thing gets ugly. I mean, and um, JJ McCarthy over under ten pass attempts. I would take over. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take the under on that. That's the only the only way Iowa can do anything is causing a, is forcing a turnover, and you know something crazy happening. Like just run the ball, and you'll eventually just wear them down. Yeah, uh, give me Michigan. This is just not a game. Don't spend your time watching this game, folks. Michigan's winning this game. I'll I'll say, I'll say Michigan. 35 Michigan 35 Iowa 7 So we're both picking Michigan to win and cover. Luckily yeah. for the for the folks, that'll be on at 8 o'clock and you'll have another option. You can watch Louisville who uh Kentucky totally just spoiled the uh the this ACC title game. They didn't spoil it. The I don't think so because I don't think Louisville is going to make it. I think the it's still on and it actually maybe makes it better, Matt Green, because like Louisville got that playoff stuff out of the way. Now they can just play spoiler here. 
you know how they spoiled it though is this whole florida state conversation of like oh but they don't look good right now if if louisville was up to like nine maybe like eight in the rank or where's bama was bama eight yeah, so they wouldn't be eight, yeah. but maybe they're nine or ten or something, and Florida State beats them. I think Florida State, oh, you you got to put them in. I think that would go for. So with Louisville looking a little worse, it's like I don't know. It opens the door a little bit, but regardless, Florida State comes in two and a half point favorite over Louisville. Um, how do you see this game going, sir? Ooh, um, lot to unpack here so florida state leads the all-time series against louisville 17 to 6 um they're actually though only three and three very even in the last six times that they have played um uh, oh i got another trivia question for you yes when was the year the last time that louisville played for a conference in a conference championship game was it one of the lamar years it was not really oh then it has to be big east it was not because they never had a big east championship game this is louisville's first ever conference championship appearance sir wow pop the champagne i'm a believer from a couple years ago you pop the champagne before a big game you know hey we're just happy to be here folks it's a great season regardless of what happens you know we're here and mm. Louisville, that's you're here, you know. So who knows? Who knows what could happen now? <sighs> hmm. It's just this is not a good like. So the problem here now, Louisville's ninth in the ACC on third downs in the ACC. That's just bad. And you don't like this front seven for Florida State's dominant. Love their defensive line. They're gonna get after Plummer and company. Jawar Jordan, 1,000-yard rusher, been really good for uh, Louisville this year. He averages two yards per carry in losses for Louisville this year. Louisville uh, has a minus three turnover margin on the road slash neutral sites this year. This is going to be a neutral site. So they've lost the turnover margin. Never good against top-of-the-line competition. Against ranked teams, Plummer is got completing 59% of his passes, 9 TD, 7 picks, 8 yards per attempt. So against the elite competition it has not been great here matt green um so give me florida state Mm. to win and cover (sighs) give me florida state 38 louisville 24 all right put it on the board well sir we are you can go ahead and lock up your victory uh overall and against the spread because we're going to agree on every game this week um apparently overall that was Uh, not the plan i uh i had new mexico state against the spread you had washington against the spread those are the only uh i want to just say uh, but i gotta take it's not gonna count i'm not putting my name on it but i i I, i'm just i think washington i I just want to pick washington so bad I just want to do it. I, I really do. There's hey, either do it or don't. Either either shit or get off the pot over there. It's so I, landing in big games hasn't impressed. God. I feel like you're picking Washington. I want to pick Washington so bad. I don't like the Bo Nix Heisman leader, leadership talk. 
He's not the best player in the country. It should be Jaden Daniels. I don't know what we're doing. No. It's going to annoy me if Bo Nix wins the Heisman. Yeah, I'm with you there. I just got a lot of anti- Tennessee and uh, deep recruiting battles for two of their final guys against Oregon right here. Jordan Seaton, the five-star offensive tackle, battling. Well, let's, uh, let's stay focused on the Washington. No, what I'm Oregon saying is, like, I'm just—I an- have a lot of animosity towards the Ducks right now. Like, I just I do. So when you're watching this game on Friday night, I'm still gonna win the playoff. I'm still gonna win the pickup, even if I pick. Uh, I throw this one no, out. Listen to this guy over here. Give me Washington outright. I think Washington wins. Give me uh, Washington in my upset pick of the weekend. All right, put it on the board. That's what you wanted. I think Friday night you're gonna be rooting for the Huskies oh, to yeah. win that one. Um, but I got I got Florida State 27-24 though. I think um, I think America is rooting against uh, Florida State. They want Louisville to spoil this thing so we can get what's really probably the four best teams. I think if we get Oregon and Texas uh, or something of the of that nature in the playoff. But um, hey. If they win, they're thirteen and zero. They should be in, and I think uh, I think that's what I think that's what's going to be. So yeah, give me the Seminoles to uh, to win the ACC. There you go. Well, that'll do it, Matt Green. Before bowl season here. Yeah, man. It's uh, this is unfortunate part about the college football season is like the postseason gets here, and it's like then we're talking coaching changes and transfer portal and early signing day, and we like. Oh yeah, let's decide the national champion. Like we kind of forget what we're what we're doing here. But yeah, it's gonna be a crazy month as it always is. But I'm uh, I'm excited for it, man. There you go, Matt Green. Another season in the books, and uh, it's been great as always. And uh, I will talk to you. Oh wait, I had yes. one more trivia question for you. Okay, is this too late? No, go ahead. I almost I almost snuck it in there. The last. Three SEC championships that did not include Georgia or Alabama. Go, sir. Give me the years and the teams. The last three that did not include, so neither could have been in the title in that game. Neither was in the game. Correct. Tennessee LSU. Tennessee LSU 2007. That was the third. All right. Give me a second. I'm thinking. Um, Meaning the other two are more recent than that. Arkansas, Florida. That is correct, but that was in the fourth, so that's not one of the two. Mm. That was 2006. Um, I'll give you a bonus point for that. That's that's a quality answer. Give me... It's definitely Florida for the other two. Or no, South Carolina and... Uh, LSU? No. Auburn? Auburn is correct. What year was that? The Stephen Garcia year. Oh, I'm gonna need a year, sir. What we we gotta get? Oh nine. Ooh, it's 2010. 2010. Uh, close. Cam Newton's Heisman year. That's what I thought. Oh yeah, um, the, it was the Heisman. Year. Okay. And then okay. um the the last on. one that was more recent than that. More recent than that one. No, this um, is the the last time that it happened because there's ten straight that have been. Uh, Florida Jordan LSU. Incorrect. That has never been the SEC championship. Okay. I was, I was just like, who else would have been in? It definitely isn't South Carolina. Oh, Missouri-Auburn. There it is. It's Missouri what Auburn. year is it? Yeah. What, is, what year is it? Let's get the total points Franklin here. and Nick Marshall. Um, you got it. You got You got to get this. We all know what year that was. 14? Oh, 
It was the 10 year anniversary this year. 13. Sir. Oh, yeah. It's 13. Okay. Yes, I'm not good yeah. with years. I'm not good with years. Yeah. Uh, I'll give you some bonus points for that uh, 2006 answer. But uh, yeah. overall, overall, you failed. Okay. Well, <laughs> I think I, I, I did all right. I did uh, well all right. done. I think it was like a. I'll give you a. Not uh, all of us worked at the College Football Hall of Fame for I'll a while a, and I'll just sat around seven. looking at stats all day long. Not all That's of us fair. had that, Matt Green. I'll give you a 75%. It was a passing grade. Uh, not oh. a failure, but I expect better. Right, I, mean, I just great. have a high standard for you. That's all it is. All right, great, Matt Green. Getting lectured as we wrap up this podcast. Um, Matt Green, always a pleasure, and I'll talk to you next week. Yes, sir. All right, hello. Welcome back. Chase Off's podcast. Taping this on a Wednesday night with the percentage man himself, AllQuest's own Austin Price. Austin, good evening, sir. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. I hope you were practicing before. Uh, do you think about that before you jump on any interview about Tennessee football where they're, they're going to ask me about a percentage on a recruit? I, I know they're going to do it. No, I don't really. I mean, not many people ask me outside the general's quarters. I mean, a lot of times mm. I just have fun with that. So, like, you know, they were asking me on the Monday night chat, like, about, like, Keenan Peely, Brew McCoy, and... Mm. Cooper Mays, and so you know, it's like ninety-eight point five, seventy-eight point seven, and fifty-three percent, right? Like, I mean, you know, do any players look at? It? Have you ever gotten a note from one of the guys? Like, you go back in to cover him, they're like, "I saw that you saw that I'm seventy percent coming back next year." Uh, okay, <laughs> no. you think I'm seventy percent there? No, no, I've never seen anybody talk to me about percentages. You know, I've never, you know, of course, I don't do the prediction stuff as far mm-hmm. as the balls and that type of thing. So. Like, I've never had anybody talk to me about that stuff either. I mean, I've had people you know, complain to me about others who do it. You know, mm-hmm. but, uh, no, I've not had anybody uh, talk to me about what percentages. Well, I got to give a shout out to Rob because I like almost spit out my water um, when I'm I, I'm like going through the Monday night chat on my phone as my wife and I are sitting there in the in the living room. And his comment about um, Jalen McCullough, like whoever replaces Jalen McCullough, is just going to have to have high stamina. Like was one of the funnier things I've I've seen on the generals quarters in the Monday night chat in a long time. Like it it really cracked me up. It, it just completely caught me off guard. It was great job by Rob. Oh yeah, and then of course you got the Rob patented laugh that you know you don't really hear unless you know Rob. It's just like mm. a machine gun. It's like mm. it's like almost like a Roscoe P Coltrane. Um, you know, so I mean, like it's uh he he does he'll pop one off in the press box at Neil and then you know I'm over there in stitches. So you know he's good at the quick wit and the you know out of nowhere that's the best kind though it, it, the the kind that catches you off the guard is the best kind and uh that's how we like it um well i appreciate you doing this austin um and i have a i have a question to start things off here um the biggest difference between the vols at the beginning of the season versus how they finished was what for you what did you see that was different anything about virginia to vanderbilt the, the you know the back part of the year they just struggled to get home on the defensive line you know mm-hmm. the, early in the year they were you know getting home. I thought it made the secondary better. And then late in the year, like, you know, there were a lot of those holds that, you know, weren't called holds and, you know, Tennessee failed to get home, you know, as much. And I thought that was just noticeable. What was, did you notice something that they were doing? Was it James Pierce was just getting doubled and chipped more? Was it just the scheme and not sending more? Cause it seemed like this year, as opposed to previous years. I mean, maybe it was just the Banks factor. It's just Banks was blitzing so much on the edge, and Banks was, I think, really missed, uh, especially as the season went on, uh, his style of linebacker play versus what they had this year. 
um maybe not necessarily in coverage but in terms of just like sending more than four they it seemed like they did not do that nearly as much as they did a year ago teams they did not they did not blitz near as much i agree with Mm. that um teams they got the ball out of their hands so like Mm. even when tennessee was able to get back there i mean you know teams were you know the quarterbacks were getting out of their hands really quick and you know they weren't you know you know there was no five and seven step drops it was Mm. you know get it out of your hands as quick as possible and you know i mean georgia is a little bit of a different animal their offensive line a little better than uh, the others, but uh, you know the Missouri's, Kentucky's, those type teams. Um, you know, I, I think it was just getting the ball out. Were you surprised Terry West didn't become more of a factor as the season went on? Uh, you know, I mean, I guess. I mean, I, you know, I mean, he's a good solid player, but I mean, mm-hmm. like, you know, you know, I, I think this spring will be big for him because he's got to take a little bit of a jump here. I'm heading into his third year under Rodney Garner. I'm interested in him. I'm interested in Josephs, who had a great day on Saturday against Vanderbilt. And you're like, well, that's the plan. It, it never is that seamless where you're like, oh, we have the two edges in our la- in that same class: Joshua Josephs, James Pierce, and we're good to go. We we've got that locked up for the next couple of years. But I don't know. Are you are you convinced that those are the two guys and that uh, Garner can count on uh, the two of them over the next two years? Well, I mean, you know, basically count on them a lot this year. I mean, you know, yeah. Roman, you know, you know, Roman Harrison. I mean. You know, he started and played, but I mean, like, you know, really at the end of the day, it was he was depending on 27 a lot. And then mm. at the back part of the year, it was, you know, Josh Joseph. So, um, you know, I think that, you know, you look at uh, those two, those are the two you're lean on next year. We'll see how Caleb Herring continues to come along. Mm. Um, and then I would go Jordan Ross. Jordan Ross, I mean, I guess Chan Davian Bradley is really far away, right? Like, you would you expect him to be, even be a role guy next year? And we'll see if he's even at defensive end next year. Oh, what could he be if he's not a defensive end? Uh, he can move him around. <laughs> like, yeah. He could be, be a tight end. Um, oh, no, we'll see. Uh, yeah, I, I think that uh, you know that's that's one that you know he he's got to buy into the football side of things a little bit more. You know, he's having a little too much fun. You know, waving the towel on Saturdays on the sidelines, and you know they need him to you know I think take a step this spring. Interesting. Would you be a towel waver if you were on the college football team? It would. Would you be a towel waver? Would you? What kind of uh, on the off field role would you have? Well, um, I would never be in that position. But but uh, if you were, if I were I, I don't think I would. I think I would be a towel waver if it was fourth down and the game was on the line. Mm. But you know, just trying to get the crowd hyped up all the time. No. No. Have you been to it like uh, like way back in the day when you were a student? Were you loud? Were you a yeller uh, at games or were you kind of just watching? I'm, and not quiet. I'm quiet. I'm very same quiet. here. Same I'm, here. I'm I'm quiet, too. I just I, I like uh, I brood when things are going well. And uh, I'm just seeing how uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm the same way. I'm quiet I, when I watch any games. Really? My daughter, my daughter's games. They're those are different. I'm, you know, going to dad mode and you know, but are you going to war with other parents or, or is there some back and forth sometimes with Austin Price? No, no, no. I'm not a, one of those crazy parents. Like, no, 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 no. Yeah. I, I'm just like, I mean, I'm, you know, encouraging that. Type mm-hmm. of thing. Like, I, I'm loud encouraging. Yeah. Um, you know, when my kids are in, in activities, um, whereas like, you know, I don't really engage at all. Mm. I'm at, you know, a sporting event. Uh, otherwise, I like it. Um, were you where were you right and where were you wrong about this team before the year, Austin? 
well, I was right that they would take a step back offensively and that they would take a step you know, forward defensively at least the first part of the year. Then they started mm-hmm. to kind of go back the other direction. But uh, I did not think they would be as good offensively. Um, I thought they would hit more big plays. I, I, I was wrong on that. Like, mm-hmm. I thought that – I thought they could take a step back as far as points and yards and that type of stuff. But, I mean, if you had told me that their big plays would be uh, extremely limited, mm-hmm. I would have – told you you're crazy but uh you know they uh they kind of you know just felt more comfortable with a lot of the short stuff early and they got a little better as the season went along chase but you know on the whole it was a lot of uh side to side passing not i mean it was though at 88 passes behind the line of scrimmage or to the side this year yeah that's insane. It, it was one of those those eye-popping numbers where you look at it compared to any other year, and there's just no way around it. Like, I wonder going into next year if, like, Hypo will open up more, like, once he can completely close the book on what happened this year and how things were. I, I wonder if he – do you think he opens up more on, like, why he had to do that and after Joe's gone, this, that, and the other, or do you not think, think so? No, I don't think so. He'll. I think he just will roll on and, you know, I think he would tell you he's one with different style of quarterbacks, uh, different mm. style of offenses, um, big backs, small backs. You know, I mean, I got, you know, I, big arm quarterbacks or quarterbacks that are more game managers. I mean, you know, I don't think he's ever going to get too deep in the weeds on anything specifically on offense. Do you think he had, like, I imagine at this point, you know, I pulled pretty well, but it seemed like he was he was pretty over this year. <laughs> it was like one of those, I, I'm ready to close the book. I'm ready to get on to next year. Do you uh, sense that? I mean, yes and no. I mean, I think he was frustrated. I think he was frustrated at how they played in a couple of games. Mm. I think he'd love to go back to games and we'll do that one again, but you can't. Um, mm. You know, otherwise, I mean, you lost to three top ten teams. You know, yeah. you just won that Florida game and you're nine and three. You lost to three top ten teams. And I mean, is anybody really blinking? You yeah, know I mean, like you know, I mean, um, that Florida game is the one that just sticks out like a sore thumb. So, um, you know, I wouldn't say he was over the year, but I think he was frustrated uh, with certain factors of the year. I think I was just surprised, not that he lost to Georgia, but just the way they lost to Georgia surprised me. I mean, they had a better showing two years ago at home with a much more depleted roster. Obviously, Hendon was in at that point, but I mean, there was just no life on offense for the, the entirety of that game. It was just something I did not anticipate. I thought they, even with the injuries. The first play, no, there wasn't. Yeah, I mean, none. Like, it was one of those, you're in the middle of the third, and I'm looking at my wife, we're, we're in the States, and I'm like, the sun's going down, it's getting cold. And she's like, are you sure you don't think they're going to? I'm like, we got to go. Like, this, <laughs> this is continuing on. This is this is not changing uh, the rest of this game. Let's not freeze, freeze to death over this. But I don't know. It was just kind of, I've never seen them more helpless um, on offense. And especially, it was just weird with a hypo coach team to just see them um, struggle that much offensively for the, from the beginning to the end to a Georgia defense that hasn't been as dominant and hasn't been as good as the, they were the last years. I don't know. I just, not surprised they lost. I was very surprised at how limited they were offensively to find anything after that first play. Yeah, but I mean, when you think about it, I mean, offensive line, you're you're beat up. You're playing you're playing some backups. Um, you know, running backs are fine. Wide yep. receivers, you weren't really dynamic this year. Um, they were limited in you know with the passing game at the quarterback spot, in my opinion. And 
you know, so I mean, like, you know, they're just more very dynamic, you know. Um, So, I mean, they've got to find a way to be more dynamic in 2024 with Nico, better receivers, uh, better offensive linemen. What was the biggest leap from uh, any position group this year? Which one do you think made the biggest leap in this this group? Hmm. It's a tough one. Um, I would still probably say, I mean, I would say running backs, you know, mm. I think you feel like you're really deep there uh, for this year's team. Um, you know, I would also throw in their defensive line, you know, yeah. you know, on the whole, I played really well most of the year. And, you know, I mean, I, you know, they didn't get home as much there at the end of the year, but uh, I think, you know, there were some factors that, you know, kind of forced that. What is the fairest complaint slash worry from the general's quarters right now that uh, you'd be like, look, they're added a lot, but I actually do think this is fair. <sighs> you better off just to ask me two or three of the, I mean, there's so many, <laughs> there's, there's so many things that's on the general's quarters. <laughs> I don't agree with, um, mm. um, but then probably some of them I do that are fair. Um, you know, um, I, I think a fair assessment is, you know, there was a, the, the joke in the Monday night chat was, you mm-hmm. know, I'm not going to ask you, you know, who's not going to be back. I'm just going to ask you who, what quality, what quality control coach is going to be a position coach next year. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment is to this point, hype mm-hmm. only promoted guys. And, yeah. you know, I think that's a fair, um, you know, question, you know, or a concern, um, you know, that he's not one outside and made the big splash higher. But I mean, I'm not sure Josh Happel is a big splash higher guy. Like I'm not, you know, I don't think he's one that's like, ooh, let's go get that guy because mm-hmm. the fans want him to. Yeah, you know, I just don't. I think he's more about camaraderie, about fit, about all that stuff. And I'm not saying you gotta promote because I don't think that's fair either um, or right either. I think you've got to, uh, you know, find a fit outside the family. You don't want to fall into that trap that Dabo fell into which is where he just kept promoting guys and yeah. promoting guys and you know not every guy just because he's in your program is ready to be an assistant coach mm. um, you know and so you know we'll see like the next opening he has does he go down that that uh, kind of routine again like on the defensive side of the ball I would be shocked if he just promoted um, at least a, at a couple of different positions at running back I don't think he'll promote there you know, so, hmm. you know, you know, if, if Jerry Mack were to leave. Um, and that was an outside guy because they didn't really have a connection prior, did they? That's correct. Yeah. That's correct. Um, did not have, uh, you know, any kind of connection before he got here. But those two, you know, have jobbed really well since they started working together. So you wouldn't look into Corey. Uh, I think it's Corey Robinson, the higher last offseason as a potential replacement at DB's coach, if there was one. Yeah, well, one, I don't think there's going to be one. And two, okay. um you know, I'm not, you know, does Corey Robinson want to stay in the college game? You know, I think mm. he's here because he needs a job, but I mean, he, I think he liked the NFL life like most people do. I mean, yeah. it's a different life. So you think, uh, not to put you on the spot, but so you think Willie's back next year? Yeah, I do. Okay. Sorry, General's Quarters. Uh, that's what, <laughs> uh, sorry on that one, because that was like, it's just, then. Is it not weird to not do the contract stuff and kind of leave it open up until February and kind of just not do the extension and just kind of drag this out? Is that not kind of strange because you have all these questions uh, I mean, all year? I don't think 
I don't think like I don't think that this is something where they're gonna wait around till February and then renew him. Like okay. I think that that's something that would probably happen late December, early January. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, in my opinion, I think there's a fairly strong chance that Willie Martinez is Tennessee's defensive backs coach next year. Okay, um, let's do some recruiting stuff here, Austin. Jordan Seaton, right now. When do you think he's going to announce? And where do you think Tennessee currently sits with him? I would venture to say he'll he'll do something on the twentieth on, on okay. Saturday. Um, I think it's Tennessee or Oregon. Ohio State is the X factor team if he does make it back to Columbus or makes it to Columbus in the next week or two. The other thing is like, does he make it back to Oregon? Because that was also mm. um, there was some chatter about that. You know, if he makes it back to Oregon, I think that's bad for Tennessee. Like okay. I think. If he goes to Ohio State, I don't think that necessarily – I mean, I think it could move the needle, but I don't think it spells doom for the balls mm. um, automatically. Whereas I think eh, – well, he goes back to Oregon. That's that's could be a telltale sign in kind of how this thing's going to play out. But I, I think it's those two um, at the top. Right? Could they get him back if he goes to Oregon? Could they get him back for another OV or no? Well, he couldn't take an OV, but he can come back unofficially. Okay. So if he went to Oregon one more time, would that be unofficially too? Yeah, I don't know if he went unofficially or, or on an OV the first time around. Okay. What do you? Because they're very different offenses. Do you think that's weighing on him too? Because it's I, like you said, there's so many other layers and there's so many other reasons as to why kids pick where they pick. But what about Tennessee will give the Vols the best shot of landing scene? Because those are two very different tempo based and just different styles, um, different sides of the country. Like what uh, what gives Tennessee the advantage potentially against Oregon? Uh, quick, quick path to the field. I huh. mean, like, I think, I think that's quick path to the field, uh, playing in the SEC, um, you know, NIL, I mean, all those things. Not in Oregon can compete with Tennessee in NIL. Right. Um, that's more of a wash, I think. Um, mm. you know, but, uh, quick path to the field, playing in the SEC. Do you think he has a relationship at all with Nico or no? Uh, yeah, they, those two have talked. Okay. I, mean, I wouldn't call them like best buddies or anything, but you know. What about Roger? And I'm not. I'm still not confident in his Sally last name. Ponga. Sally Aponga. It seems like he's developed a stronger relationship with Nico, based on your well, reporting. Well, they grew up. Okay. Playing little league ball in Long Beach. Nico, Madden, and Roger. Mm. If you hear Roger tell us about back when when Madden was a was a linebacker. Mm. Um. You know, I, we'll see. He's committing on Friday. Um, mm. So that's for sure. He's committing on Friday. Yeah. We're, we're taping this on a Wednesday night. Mm. I'd say in the next 24 hours, I'd be shocked if some things didn't start to leak out one way or the other. You know, it's Tennessee or Oregon. Another Tennessee-Oregon battle. Where, who do you feel more confident in uh, winning the Tennessee-Oregon battle for uh, between Seton and Ryan? I mean, he had a really good time here. I think his parents prefer Knoxville. That doesn't mm. mean that he'll end up here, though. Like if you if you if you held a gun to my head, I'd still lean Oregon by fractions. Like I just, I'm not gonna do that. It's the holiday season. I'm not I'm not putting a gun to Austin's head to get some recruiting info. We're we're it's a much more conversational, laid back show. Austin, I know, but I mean, like everybody try because I because I like to drop Easter eggs so much. Mm. Like when I'm not trying to drop an Easter egg, I have to be deliberate about it. Mm. Like I was doing Swain show mm. on. Wednesday and you know I was like 
I'm not saying I know anything here. This is not what I'm doing. Like, cause you know, cause I get swine's like, Oh, all you know, and I'm like, I'm not, this is not a, mm-hmm. not a Easter egg. This is just, I'm just talking in generalities. So Easter egg or not Easter egg, who do you feel more confident in Roger or Seton for Tennessee fans? As crazy as it sounds to say, I would tell you uh, Jordan Seaton, but I would say neither. I think most Tennessee fans would be excited. Like, it's not great that the tight end stuff is the recruiting there, but like Seaton, I just feel like is a much bigger ad because I mean he's the biggest ad. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, he's a top ten player nationally yeah. across the board, and so uh, you know, how do you not get excited? He would be the Nico of this class. Mm. That's interesting. Okay, I feel better. I I, I like Roger, but I mean, I, tight ends. I don't know. Like, uh, we'll see on that front. Uh, Kai Bates, is that ship sailed or no? Yes, in my opinion, I think Florida State will be the pick. What does that mean for the portal for Tennessee uh, at corner? I don't know if it means anything. I mean, you know, Tennessee's got a lot of young corners. Like, I, that's my. I, I keep just you know, if you can get a dude like a mm. guy that's going to be an instant impact in the portal, right? Like, like a guy who's all conference. Then yeah, sure. You, you take a kid at any position. Mm. That doesn't matter what, where you're at. You take a kid at any position, but like just taking a body to take a body. I Tennessee he's got too many young DBs to be taking players out of the portal. In my opinion, were you surprised that Elias Williams ultimately, it's not that he didn't pick Tennessee, but he didn't pick Tennessee or Alabama when it was all said and done. You know, I mean, Missouri picked a good time to uh, be relevant. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I mean, they, they kind of rode that way with a few recruits and him being one of them. It seemed like that was the main target. Like, Morris Williams obviously did not uh, come to fruition either. But when you look at that spot, did that one that kind of caught Tennessee off guard or that kind of hurts a little bit more or maybe changes how they approach Omar Norman Lawton and Mari Thomas now. Uh, well, yeah. and Williams, I mean, he's going to visit here next weekend. Um, so that one's not dead potentially. No, no, I don't think he'll end up at Florida. I think it'll, I think okay. it'll be Ohio State. Um, hmm. um, you know, they lost Justin Scott to Miami on Wednesday, and um, those are, those are two different positions too. Amiris Williams is a smaller guy; like he's hmm. not um, not nearly as big as as Elias Williams is. But uh, you know, we'll see on that one. I, you know, I think he's down. Tennessee would probably rather have the JUCO kids at this point, in my opinion. So you think they get one of the main three who were just there? Uh, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, Juco <laughs> kids are, you know, if you go ask me, I'll take, you know, Kamari Copeland probably be the most likely. Is, Bri- is Byron Young involved in that at all? Do they go and, like, look at what we did here? Like, hey, can you uh, tell why uh, this was such a great fit for you? Stuff like that. Do they do that in recruiting at all? Yeah, they do, but, I mean, with him, you know, in the middle of his NFL season, yeah. he's super involved in it. Who's the most? Uh, who's the biggest thing they call a lot over the last couple of years? Who Heupel's called to? Who's helped Tennessee recruit that might surprise some fans? Heupel. I mean, I don't know if there's anybody that Heupel's called. Um, mm. I mean, Rodney will use some of his guys that he's coached, you know, at other stops um, mm. to kind of you know pitch, you know, what he pitches, and you know, Peyton's helped out from time to time, and. You know those type of things, but it's I don't think hype's really. I don't. I don't think hype's big into the whole like, hey, let's call you know mm. this guy from twenty years ago because most kids are like, who who is this person? Yeah, it feels like Kamara's been back a lot though lately. Feels like he's been well. A lot. What happens when you're suspended? And yeah, then, and then later in the year you have a bye week. So thus he was here for three games. 
Yeah, he was here a lot. I, it was funny. You know, it's crazy. I, I don't know if you saw him around one weekend, but uh, I was out with my wife on like Sunday afternoon and Kamara is just walking by uh, with his wife, I think. But it was just on Gay Street. And I like had to do a double take because it was just like, is that Alvin? And she and they were like, what? And I'm like, that's Alvin Kamara. I don't know why Alvin's here. It's the middle of the NFL year. And then you're like, oh, right. He's suspended. So he's he's just hanging out. He's living his life. But it was just funny. Alvin Kamara just walking by. Tennessee fans didn't notice. He's just out, out in the elements. Yeah. I mean, Alvin, again, suspended for a couple of weeks and then has the bye week. But it, I think it's good for Tennessee that he wants to be back around. Yes. Um, because he still is a name, right? Like, He's on the outside building. He's on the building. Correct. But, I mean, he's still a name in the league. Yeah. You know, like Eric Berry, you know, some kids know who he is, but some don't. I mean, like, and he didn't play that long ago. Yeah. Kids are such a here and now, right? Like, you know, a year from now, the kids will be saying that, you know, the GOAT is, you know, Marvin Harrison Jr. Mm. Like, like he he was a fabulous player, but, I mean, like, you know. Yeah, as 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 recruits who Art Monk is, you know, I don't. Yeah, know. No, I don't think so. Um, next recruit announcement will be a 2024 kid or a 2025 kid, Austin. Picking the balls. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> if it's a tw- if it's Roger, it'll be a 2024. Mm-hmm. But uh, if it's not Roger, I would still say 2024. Okay. Um, last thing here, and we'll wrap up tonight, Austin. I was talking to Rusty Manziel, who's awesome, doing great stuff over at Dogs HQ um, last week, or I guess it was two weeks ago before the Georgia game. And you talking about Mike Matthews. We both went to Parkview um, and really, really uh, obviously big recruit in this class, five-star receiver. But he was talking about like finding a way to get him on the field. And that was a big win for Tennessee, obviously. He's been recruited. He recruited so long ago. He's coming in early, I believe. He'll be an early guy. Tennessee, obviously thin at wide receiver. Yeah. Um, you like what you've seen from Chaz Nimrod, especially. I think Chaz has really come on uh, late for Tennessee and looks like he could be a factor going into next year. Still kind of shaky on Webb uh, to this point as one of your go-to three starters. But is there a chance that Hypel breaks it? Like we didn't see Nathan Leacock at all this year as a true freshman. Do you think Mike Matthews, similar to Jordan Seaton, where he comes in as a five-star tackle, like, hey, <laughs> there's a path to the playing field you're you're looking at starting right away do you think there is a path to mike matthews actually being a factor and starting he's that good and that talented that he will be going in next year yeah i mean i think a lot of it will depend on how he does in spring right like i mean mm. he goes out and plays really well in spring that that you know kind of puts him on the you know springboard to the fall camp and so on and so forth so um i think it all starts with you know how he performs you know between march and april Okay, I like it. Um, Austin Price, what can the good folks check out from you and the team over at VolQuest.com this week? Uh, just more portal coverage and who's coming, who's going. We'll see if we've got some names that Tennessee's going to go after in the portal. And you know, obviously, tight end position will be one to watch you know, in, in the portal and offensive line and you know, all that good stuff. There you go. Go subscribe, VolQuest.com. Today, y'all the do y'all still have the holiday special going on right now? Or did that just wrap? I think it may have just wrapped up. Just wrapped up. But either way, go subscribe. I subscribe. It's great stuff on VolQuest.com. Subscribe today. Awesome price. Thank you, as always, for the time. I greatly appreciate it. Let's do it again soon. Sounds good, Jason. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.